0: Hi, and welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast. Pantsuit Nation is an online community of 3.8 million people who have come together to resist the current administration through activism, advocacy, and the power of personal narrative. I'm Libby Chamberlain. I'm one of the co-founders of Pantsuit Nation, and uh, I'm speaking with Courtney. Hello. Hello. And, uh, you know, as usual, I'm home in Maine, Courtney's in Boston. I've actually been um, missing from the podcast for the last couple of weeks. I was sick last week and uh, traveling the week before that, but I loved listening to those episodes with Jaleel, who's become a friend of ours, um, and also with Sarah Kenzior, who's just like incredible. So... Nice work, Courtney. Those were great conversations, Thank and I'm glad you to be back much. this week.
1: Yes, I'm so glad to have you back. Of course, it was lovely to have the wonderful Jessica Davidson um, pinch hit for you, uh, but it's always nice to kind of settle back into the routine, so glad to have you back on. I know you're still recovering from your illness from last week, so hopefully by next week we'll have everything. <laughs> You'll be in, in 100% <laughs> health again. Totally. I'm a little bit um, congested
0: still, so... Uh, Sorry about that yeah, <laughs> to our listeners, but the really fun um, overlap of like
1: inco- spring cold slash allergies. The <laughs> yeah. ne- never great for the nasal nation place. coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a really. Um, interesting few days. Uh, I think the first thing that has been giving us some excitement in the group is that, of course, Pride Month um, is June. It started on June 1st. And so we've just been seeing wonderful amounts of posts and people posting about events that are going on in their communities uh, to celebrate Pride and really think about the history of Pride and, um, you know, the I think we think of the Stonewall Rebellion in 1969 as being kind of the start of the modern LGBTQ plus uh, movement. Um, But really, of course, there have been heroes of the movement who have been fighting for much longer than that. And so um, that's one of the things that I've been trying to do uh, this Pride Month is really educate myself um, around the history of the struggle for the rights of people who um, identify as LGBTQIA plus.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, June is a great opportunity, um, you know, similar to African American History Month or, or times when, um, you know, it's it's a month long um, space to hold for those of us who identify as allies um, to those communities to um, participate and, and um, take our activism and our advocacy, uh, maybe to new places and, and think about the huge breadth of ways that we can be more active um, allies and accomplices. And so, like, you know, you just mentioned, Courtney, educating ourselves as a huge part of that, educating our families and communities, um, doing the things that we, you know, often talk about on the podcast and the group, calling our legislators, um, you know, pushing for more inclusive policies, thinking about where we're spending our money, um, how we're kind of dividing our attention in terms of the media that we're consuming. There's so many different ways to um, really, really focus on supporting the LGBTQ community this month. And so we'll um, circle back to that uh, in this episode and in future episodes, but uh, definitely something that that we have been Thinking about, you know, in the first six days of June so far, as we do all year. But again, this is a great time to just um, dig a little bit deeper and, and deepen that commitment.
1: Absolutely. Um, And the other thing that, you know, we always record on Wednesday, which means that we're always looking at the primary results um, when there are big days. And honestly, yesterday had so many things going on that I'm still sort of processing all of it. Um, But one of the ones that I'm really excited about is that um, Deb Holland, I think that's how you pronounce her name, um, in New Mexico's first congressional district, um, has moved forward into the general election. And if she is elected, she will be um, the first Native American woman ever elected to Congress. Um, so that's definitely one race that um, is really something that I've been paying attention to. And it's really exciting to watch Deb um, move forward in what could be a really his- historic moment in November. Um, but California, we're still kind of waiting for the results to come in as we were recording this. So we don't have as much to say about that. Um, but yeah, it's just been a, it was a big Tuesday yesterday. And it's a big Wednesday trying to dissect um, what all of the <laughs> results mean. Absolutely, and
0: uh, just a reminder for all of our listeners: there's so many primaries happening this month. Um, you know, they happen throughout the summer uh, and and you know for several months. But it's really a big month for primaries. And lest we sort of feel like primaries aren't you know don't have as many kind of consequential outcomes as general elections, um, they they really do. I mean, in so many ways. Like looking at Maine, we've got our primaries um, for the Democratic Party next week, um, and you know we've got. Uh, current Republican governor, current um, Republican uh, congressional representative in my district, those are both eminently flippable seats. And so who we're putting up to challenge um, the the GOP in both of those spaces is hugely important. And so, you know, that's just one example. Get out and vote for primaries. Um, it's yes. really uh, important.
1: Or do like Libby is doing and vote absentee. Uh, we will be in Washington, yes. D.C. <laughs> because we have a really exciting um, Facebook Live video series with Emily's List is helping people understand the process of running for office. But that means that uh, Libby will not be in Maine during the elections. But uh, don't worry, everyone. She has uh, informed me that she's voting absentee. I voted yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, no, we did it. We were there. So, um, yeah, just, well, first of all, check that out on Facebook Live um, on uh, Monday, this coming Monday at 2.30. We're really excited about that. Um, But yeah, get out and vote next week, too, if you're in one of those states.
0: Great. And just a a little bit of a a preview. We've got some incredible podcast guests lined up for the rest of the month. um, And some of those that we're going to record in person in DC. uh, We won't say too much more about it now. But we've got um, some pretty wonderful guests lined up for the rest of the month. And uh, for today, do you want to introduce who we're speaking to uh, this morning?
1: Yes, Libby, we are so, so proud to welcome Aisha Sharif. She is the Outreach Coordinator for The Love Vote. She's a student, a filmmaker, and an activist, and is passionate about improving policies that impact immigrants, women, and young people. And we're so lucky to have her with us today. Welcome, Aisha.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So um, I just want to get started with asking you to tell us a little bit about The Love Vote and how you got involved.
2: Okay. So The Love Vote is a nonprofit organization that increases voter turnout through love. And the way that we do this is that it's meant for people who actually can't vote, which is unlike a lot of organizations who try to improve voter turnout. And people who can vote will make personal videos about issues that they care about. And then somebody who connects with these videos or feels passionate about these issues can vote on their behalf. So it's sort of like you're pledging to vote. Hmm.
1: I love that so much since, you know, Pantsuit Nation, we're we're all about storytelling and so much of what the Love Vote is doing is um, telling stories. And you have a really compelling video um, on the website. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what, how are you pulling people in to vote on your behalf?
2: Yeah. So I'm actually a high school junior and this year has been really tough for high school students because of the... um, a lot of the mass shootings that have been happening, and for me, I also live in a community where I've seen shootings happen also, so I've been navigating these worlds of being a student where a shooting could possibly happen and just in my own community. So I made a video of me going to the March for Our Lives protest and sort of my experience there. And... I think people are interested in, like, what young people have to say, and they're more interested in, like, what are we feeling and what are, how is this, this, like, this rhetoric of shooting after shooting after shooting actually impacting us? And for me, on one hand, I'm, for all the, even though there's been all these tragedies about what has happened in Parkland and Santa Fe, but I do think that there's also a cultural shift in our generation right now, and that we're motivated to make a change.
0: It's amazing. I'm wondering, Aisha, if you can tell us a little bit more just like about what it's like, you know, at your school and in your community, um, and how folks that are listening um, might be able to translate that into a deeper civic engagement. And for those of us, um, you know, that are of voting age and and can vote, why it's so important to you that we exercise that right in every every possible extent that we can.
2: Yeah, and... Well, for schools, for starters, today, there was a- there's actually a lot of police officers in my school right now, and they're doing random bag checks because there was a threat sent to my school by a student, and that's been really scary for us here because people are not coming to school, so people are sacrificing their education because of fear, and it's just been really weird to feel like that school's so militant right now, hmm. and everything is tense. and like this-
0: are, you, are you at school right now, Aisha? Yeah, I'm at school right now. Okay all right, so you can like you're, you can see folks you know police officers um, around you like as, as we're talking, I just want to make sure our listeners understand that this is like literally happening to you right now. I mean it's this is this is exactly what we're what we're talking about, right? Yeah, and it's sort of it's out of our control and I think since what's been happening in
2: all these other schools that my school's even being extra careful so they are people are just getting pulled out of class randomly to be searched. And it's sort of like the police officers just walking around and it's just like, there's like a different, it doesn't feel like a regular school day. Mm. Like there's something completely off. And I think that it's hard for students to focus on school, knowing that there's threats being sent to the administration, that it could be our school next. But then a part of us are like, we're like, if it was to happen in our school, like we wouldn't be surprised. We wouldn't be shocked because it's sort of expected and sort of like, but that's put me in school. But then when I was in, I live in the Lower East Side, and then I was in this um, program that I go to after school, which is meant for young girls to just, like, have a safe place. And right outside, there was also, also a shooting hmm. that I heard. And sort of, it's always in these places where you're supposed to be protected and you're supposed to be safe, safe is where violence is happening right outside. And it's sort of like my friend and the person who was the victim of the shooting was actually really close with my friend, and he was a twin, and he was someone that you saw. And although you don't know them personally, it still impacts you because you know that, like, a mother just lost her son. Like, a brother just lost his twin brother. So that impacts you emotionally, even if you don't know the person.
1: It's so... um honestly it's it's really hard to hear you talk about this stuff because it's it's just so terrible for me to think about exactly what you're talking about. like not just young people um, having to witness these like terrible acts of violence, but also the impact that it has on the spaces that are supposed to be safe and and learning environments for you. Um, and I think that really comes back to, um, you know, why, why the work that you're doing is so critical. Um, how has it, how has it felt to you to, to work with the love vote and kind of use your voice, um, as someone who Mm -hmm. can't, you know, express yourself at the ballot box?
2: Yeah, I think the love vote is just, it's almost, it's, sorry. <laughs> um, for me, the love vote just illustrates like the things that I care about and I love. I'm interested in storytelling, but I also am interested in action. And I think mm. the love vote sort of amalgamates both those things where you can feel passionate about someone's story and you could feel eager to do something and then you could pledge them to vote right there. I think that for me the level has given me the opportunity to speak my mind during the inch while I was making my video Esther the founder was extremely supportive it was really about like what is the story that I want to tell and telling your own story actually makes you feel empowered and then it makes you want to like share it and you want to share it to all these people because you're excited about it and it's something you care about and I think that a lot of the headlines and a lot of the news that we see constantly, like it's really, it's tiring and it's just statistics and numbers and another shooting, another this, but I feel like to hear a story is much more effective to create political change.
0: I just want to like put that out into the world, underscore it so many times. And it is that um, intersection of speaking from experience, from deep personal experience and then linking that to something that we can all, t- all do. And, and that's like, what makes the world go round. And that's how change is created and, and throughout activist movements, um, you know, that, that has been at the core. And I, I think that this is like a very modern, smart, um, you know, great use of, te- of technology and video and, you know, dispersed stories to, um, think about how we can link those two and, and, even more sort of um, effective and compelling ways. And so, you know, your story just, you know, today makes me that much more committed to to taking action. And um, as I referenced just before you came on, we um you know, I live in in a district that is very purple, and we have um, currently represented by uh, a Republican uh, congressperson who is very, you know, pro, gun and against, you know, doing any sort of uh, gun reform. And that, you know, I'm like all fired up once again, for a million different reasons, but just to, to vote and to get people to vote and to share your story and say, you know, this doesn't just impact us and our, you know, neighbors, this is happening across the country in schools. Um, You know, it's just such an important issue to to be an advocate for. Yeah.
2: And just the importance of, like, I think it's voting becomes much more valuable when you realize that it's a privilege in a sense because there's people who can't, which is a lot of us, the movers on the level. Like, we don't want to vote, but these things still impact us, and it's the most frustrated feeling in the world to know that, like, policies impact you and affect you, but it's like you're sort of, you have no say in them. But that in a way, that doesn't stop us from... Motiv- that doesn't stop us from telling the people we love to vote, which is why they're, like... The, the, like the love vote has love in it in in its name because mm-hmm. that's sort of what this is about like if there's people who care about us and who are loved ones, they should vote if they have if they're able to.
1: Aisha, I cannot thank you enough. For- for joining us today and dropping just all of the wisdom um, into this podcast. I feel, like Libby said, um, just so motivated to keep going. And we're really happy to be able to talk about what the Love Vote is doing. Um, As I said before, uh, you can check out um, Aisha's video and the story on the website. And thank you especially for talking to us on what has to be a really, really difficult day for you. Um, I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and sharing your story with us. No problem. Thank you. This week's Pansy Nation podcast is brought to you by Daily Look. Daily Look is an online premium personal styling service for women that sends you hand-picked fashion items right to your door. With the help of Daily Look, you can express yourself in style and begin each day feeling great. You build a one-on-one relationship with the industry's best personal stylist, choose your frequency for delivery, and get styled. For you ladies who are trying to run the world and don't have time to shop, need styling tips, or don't like going to the mall, which I think we can all relate to, this is the perfect solution for you. All you have to do is fill out a style profile to start building a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist will handpick up to 12 quality pieces including clothes and accessories from premium brands you know like J Brand, Rag & Bone, and Georgiana as well as emerging designers for you to discover. A little perk is that you can preview your box before it's sent so that you can make a few changes to your selection. Once you receive the box, have a little try-on party at home, keep what you love, and return what you don't. It is completely hassle-free. You have no obligation to buy and if for some reason you don't like what you receive, you can always send it back. Get started today by going to dailylook.com slash pants suit and click get started. Don't forget to use the code pantsuit to get ten dollars off your first box. That's dailylook.com slash pantsuit. Offer code pantsuit to get styled today. Well we are uh, so thrilled to have been able to have Aisha on the podcast today. Um, obviously she's having a really challenging day at school, and so we can't thank her enough for joining us. And we are really lucky to have two guests to talk to us about The Love Vote today. Um, we're, we are really thrilled to be joined by the founder of The Love Vote, Esther De Rothschild. She is a high school teacher and a filmmaker and also taught for nine years at the school where Aisha goes right now. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Esther. Welcome.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So, um, you founded this incredible thing that we just heard from Aisha about what the, the motivation of the love vote is. Um, what gave you the idea to, to push for this from the stance of people who can't
3: vote? Well, it's students like Aisha. About a year ago, when I was teaching filmmaking at her high school to 11th and 12th grade students, a lot of them had been really deeply impacted by the election, and it was impacting how they felt about themselves and their families and their place in this country and their future. And one day, some of them were talking about the fact that they had not had the opportunity to vote, that they were too young to vote, but that they had to live with the consequences of other people's decisions. And that resonated with me because I immigrated here as a child, and I didn't become a citizen for many years. And I remembered how I felt in 2008 that I really wanted to be part of history. I wanted to cast my ballot, and I couldn't. And so I just got to thinking about all the people who can't vote, and I realized it's 50 million teens and adults, approximately, who can't vote. And I started thinking about what would happen if, they became a central part of this conversation about elections, and they moved their loved ones to vote on their behalf and so that was the the beginning of it, and it took some months to develop and By October, we were up and running
0: amazing and um you know it it just encapsulates so much um, of what. Kind of we believe in in, in Pansy Nation in terms of um, it takes more than like statistics and you know phone banking to change. Government, like we need to have an inclusive, um, empathetic understanding to the way that that you know politics and policy and policymakers are engaging with everyone in this country, and um, you clearly just saw like a huge gaping hole in terms of um, a group of people that weren't really being um, engaged in this way. And and I just love it. And one of the things that um, Aisha just said, which I loved, is is that it reinforces for anyone who you know watches these videos or hears these stories. Um, who who is a voter, it, it re- reinforces this idea that voting is a privilege and that we can't take that privilege for granted and that there are other people who are relying on us. And, and I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Um, we talk about sort of power and privilege and, um, you know, a, a lot of those things in Pantsuit Nation when it comes to things like race and gender and ethnicity. Um, but being, being a voter is a privilege. And, and that's um, something that I think those of us who do vote maybe don't always recognize.
3: I think there is debate about whether voting is a privilege or whether it's a right, but it's certainly something that we have and that we shouldn't squander when we have it. And Mm -hmm. some people make the choice not to vote, and there are valid reasons to choose not to vote, but for the most part, it's something that if more people did, if most people did all the time, I think we would be in a much better situation. And I think when you mention power, I think we all have power in many ways. And some people don't have the power to vote, but they have the power to use their voices in ways that people who can vote might not. So it's about, I think, all of us using the power that we do have for the greater good when we can
1: So I know that the Love Vote has, as you mentioned, been in place um, since October after the election. (laughs) And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, some of the new things that the Love Vote is doing. What's what's coming up for you?
3: So the site is modeled off of Kickstarter. And that's thanks to our friend Kareem, who suggested that we do something interactive. Because it's one thing to share videos and people might feel something in the moment. But to have it really be a, a back and forth. And so people like Aisha share their story in a short video, share that page with their friends and family and teacher and anybody else, and then voters can promise to vote. And we follow up with those love voters with information about where and when to vote. We send stickers that you can see them on our website. They're really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, We invite people to events and we make it easier for people to keep their promise because sometimes it's not actually that easy to know when and where and how to vote. And so we've been doing that in New Jersey and Alabama and Kentucky and Florida and New York in small ways, but we've been making all of those videos ourselves. And there's only so many videos that we can make. So what we're really excited about is that in the next few weeks, anybody will be able to make their own page. Anybody who can't vote can become a mover. And Mm -hmm. I think that will enable us to reach a lot more people, share a lot more stories, and then we really will be like a crowdfunding page where anybody can make their own page. But in this case, we're not raising money, we're raising votes and love and compassion. So that's the first thing that is new and that we're really excited about. Something I, I just I'm is. gonna
1: jump in and say that is so cool. <laughs> I, I just like that I cannot. It, really is. it is so cool. What a friggin' smart idea! I love it. Um, I just uh, I'm really psyched. I know you've got more to tell us, but I just I couldn't let that go by no, without no. saying, OMG! How cool is that? Yeah. That anybody can can create their own page and,
3: and and move this forward. It's so awesome. We're very excited, and I did want to shout out. Karen, who's our product lead, and there aren't that many women running things in technology, and our engineers are in Palestine, led by this amazing guy, Eamon, and we're just lucky to have a really great team. So we're working out the bugs on that. We did look at crowdfunding sites and use those as a model, but When people make a page on a crowdfunding site, they're, you know, motivated by wanting to raise a lot of money, and we wanted to make this as easy as possible. So it only takes 10 minutes to make your own page, and Mm. you can make your video with your cell phone and upload it. You can choose how many people you want to move to vote. The minimum is 10, but you can set your goal, and then you're just up and running, and you can share it. So we're really, really excited about that. That's great.
1: That is so great.
0: Uh, Amazing. Do you just walk around with a t-shirt that's like, I don't raise money, I raise votes. Like that's such a badass. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Just mantra. And like, there's so many people that are trying to do this. And again, like, I just feel like your solution is particularly beautiful in a lot of different ways. Um, And the fact that you're scaling this out is is just
3: um, very inspiring. Thank you very much. And there are a lot of organizations that have done this in some way so with immigrants who can't vote going door to door saying vote on my behalf or people who are formerly incarcerated and disenfranchised and We just wanted to combine all the different kinds of people who can't vote on one interactive platform. But we did draw inspiration from other people who are doing this. And the second thing that I'm really excited about is partnerships with organizations like that. We're a new organization, we're not really on the ground, and there are organizations who've been doing this work for a long time. And so we've been able to partner up with them. And for instance, for anybody who's in Miami on June 21st, we're having a screening at the Standard Hotel with the Florida Immigrant Coalition and the New Florida Majority, and we're going to show some videos of people who can't vote because they're not U.S. citizens. And those movers, Alex and Johnny and Tolu, will be there to speak to the audience, and we're going to invite all of their love voters to come. And so they'll not only get to meet the person they promised to vote, who maybe is someone they know and haven't seen in a while or they know very well or they've never met before, but they're also going to be able to hear from our partners about how they can show love beyond election day, how they can get involved in issues that affect others on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So we're excited about those partnerships and especially our partnership with the Florida rights restoration coalition. I don't know if you guys are aware of amendment four and what's going on in Florida.
0: We are, but please tell our listeners about it. Yeah.
3: So there's a really historic opportunity in November that, feels bigger than any other singular election that's happening to elect a particular person, because what is happening in Florida in November is there's a ballot initiative for, for, to amend the state constitution that would restore the right to vote to over 1.4 million Floridians who've been disenfranchised. So Florida is one of the very few states in the country where if you're convicted of a felony, you are stripped of your right to vote for life. And it's pretty heartbreaking and it's pretty wrong or it's very wrong. And so this is a chance in Florida, not only for all of those people to get their right to vote back, but also moving forward, nobody will be disenfranchised for life everybody who is convicted of a felony and serves their time and does parole and probation, pays any fines, will then, again, be able to register to vote with a few exceptions. So we're working with the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, including Devin Coleman, who's a communications manager, on sharing stories of people who are returning citizens, who are directly impacted, and who are moving other people to vote on their behalf. So we're really excited about that as well. And we hope to be coming out with those stories very soon.
1: That- Amazing.
0: And that's a great example of a grassroots effort. Um, you know, it's on the ballot. And that was a huge hurdle uh, just to get the number of signatures that were necessary to do that. It's on the ballot. Um, and it's going to be, a, a, like you said, a, a really massive um, uh, thing that comes through in the November election. So really happy to hear you all are, are working
1: together. It's um, a big a big deal <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Esther, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I think that between you and Aisha, we have such a great um I'm just really excited to be able to amplify what the Love Vote is doing. So, thank you so much for coming on.
3: Thank you so much. And if any of your listeners want to watch Aisha's video, I don't know if you let them know what the website is, but oh, it's tell right us, there yeah. on the homepage. Yeah, it's www.thelovevote.org. Vote, not vote. And we're also <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook as at the love vote. So Aisha's video is there. If you can vote, please promise her to vote. If you can't vote and you want to become a mover, you could just click on the can't vote button and sign up. And we'd love to have you become a part of this project.
1: Thank you so much, Esther. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Thank you much, Esther. Ladies. Have a great day. Bye bye. Bye. Bye now. <music> Wonderful to hear from both Aisha and Esther. And I feel like it's worth pointing out, if you missed it, um, that Aisha is a junior in high school. Um, that that I don't know future leaders of America right there, current leaders of America, actually. Um, she's so incredible. And this project that Esther has started is really meaningful. And I'm so excited that it's going to be um, growing even further uh, moving forward. So Libby, let's talk about the, the call to action for today now. Yes. So um, as
0: we talked about in the beginning of the show, June is Pride Month. And so we um, you know, There's a lot of work to be done, of course, to further the rights and inclusion of all LGBTQ plus people. Um, along with that, there was also the news this week that the Supreme Court uh, granted the right of one cake baker to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people um, in in that decision that happened just earlier this week. And so that decision is a disappointment, uh, to put it mildly. Um, it's, a, it's an outrage, actually. But the court did not grant public businesses the right to discriminate against LGBTQ. LGBTQ plus people more broadly. Um, just to clarify, the ruling adds to continued uncertainty over LGBTQ plus customers' rights. Um, so that just makes it that much more important to um, urge Congress to pass the Equality Act.
1: Um, do you want to give us a little bit of background on that, Court? Sure. So um- You've probably heard of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which protects people from discrimination based on race, skin color, sex, religion, and national origin, but it does not cover sexual orientation or gender identity. And that means that 30 states without LGBTQ plus anti discrimination laws. Um, in those states, people can be legally fired, harassed at work, um, kept from businesses, denied denied housing, any variety of different um, indignities, and um, you know at that point legally protected practices um, because of their sexual orientation and or gender identity. So the Equality Act would provide the necessary national level protections for LGBTQ plus people uh, by updating existing laws like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to explicitly ban discrimination because of gender identity and sexual orientation. It would also revise the Civil Rights Act to ban sex discrimination in public spaces and services as well as federally funded programs. Um, So the Equal Rights Act has been introduced in the past. It was filed in 2017 with support in both the House and the Senate on an unprecedented level. But really now is the time to um, seize the momentum and secure national level protections for LGBTQ plus people. So
0: um, as usual, we are relying on our friends over at fivecalls.org to find more information. Uh, they also have call scripts uh, to contact your representatives to urge them um, to support the Equality Act. Now is the time for our country to really formalize and institutionalize anti-discrimination laws against LGBTQ plus people. So make your phone calls, uh, make sure your voice is heard, and don't take it for granted that your congressman is either you know always opposed or always for these kinds of issues. They still need to hear from us because they count our calls. And that informs um, the degree to which they uh, advocate for these issues.
1: Absolutely. Always an important reminder. Call even if you've got the bluest of blue. Um, or the reddest of red. I will, I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes, or the reddest <laughs> of red. <laughs> Talk to you later today. Let's be real. Okay. Um, so now it's time for the golden suit. And I. Um, Again, this is sort of a a Young People Forward episode of the Pantsuit Nation podcast, and the Golden Pantsuit today is no different. So Torin Hodgman is an eighth grader at Grand Rapids Public Museum School in Michigan. And last week, uh, Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos made a visit to that very school. Um, Torin, who is genderqueer and uses the pronouns they, them, decided to wear a transgender pride flag while DeVos visited the school, specifically to bring awareness to the presence of transgender students in American schools. So when I say that Torin wore a flag, I don't mean that they wore a pin. I don't mean that they wore a t-shirt with the flag on it. I mean that Torin wore a full-size transgender plied flag as a cape. It is just so great. The pictures of them um, walking around with Betsy DeVos in the halls of the school wearing this incredible symbol um, are really, really powerful. And um, as you may or may not know, under Deva- DeVos's leadership, the Department of Education rescinded Obama-era guidelines that advised schools to let transgender and genderqueer students um, use restrooms that match their gender identity, in addition to recognizing their preferred names and pronouns. So um, DeVos essentially said um, issues should be dealt with locally and has as yet to make any moves to defend the rights of LGBTQ plus uh, children. So uh, golden pantsuit to Torrin Hodgman for really standing up and uh, showing that transgender students are present in American schools and and deserve the protections that any student would get. It's amazing. And I think, um, you know, I
0: think about this sometimes with our golden pantsuits and looking around at the landscape of people taking action in different ways. And I think... um, Sometimes it's hard to know just like how courageous an act that is um and the pressure that Torrin was probably getting from their, you know, classmates and parents and teachers maybe to to not make a big deal of this. And so um just to underscore that, the 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 courage and the bravery to um stand up to power at that age and you know coming from a marginalized community already you know it's it's really inspiring and and um you know similar to a lot of uh these beautiful illustrations that you bring to us each week Courtney of of people taking stances in different ways um it is a reminder that we all can can
1: step up in in different ways so golden pantsy yay Yay, golden pantsuit. So that brings us to the end of the show today. Thank you so much to our guests, Aisha Sharif and Esther Rothschild, um, to our sponsor this week, Daily Look, and to our team at Cadence 13. As always, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. It helps other people find the show.
0: You can visit us at PantsuitNation.org. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PantsuitNation or on Medium Medium.com slash PantsuitNation. Of course, check in to our Facebook group if you're a member and haven't been in a while. There's tons of incredible stuff going on, stories, candidates, calls to action, elections, um, lots going on. So uh, check in there.
1: Live videos and, uh, like with I, List.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> next week, live video. There's so much good stuff going on. And uh, like I mentioned, we've got some really excellent uh, guests lined up for the podcast in the next few weeks. So uh, definitely make sure that you're subscribed and tell your friends to do the same.
1: Absolutely. And remember, this democracy is your democracy. So stay engaged. Talk to you next week, Libby. Bye, Corp. Bye.